0: Detroit basketball. Hello, Detroit. Hello, Pistons fans. This is the Sports Ethos Pistons podcast. I'm your host, Joey Kaderis. You can find me roughly three times a week on sportsethos.com and also on Twitter at ethospistons. Give us a subscribe, give us a follow on whatever platform. We love the interaction, we love the loyalty. So, on today's show, it's February 2nd, 2022. There's a big snowstorm in Detroit, and we have quite a flurry of headlines to get to. First and foremost, we have some acknowledgement from the NBA that the Pistons have some young guys, some rising stars worth noting. That all three, Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bey, and Isaiah Stewart were named to the Rising Stars Challenge as part of NBA All-Star Weekend. Just you know, very exciting to get that acknowledgement, to get those accolades. Um, it's going to be a very interesting Rising Stars challenge. I'm very curious how it's going to play out. I think this is a new format for this year. Like a mini four-on-four tournament. With all of the best first and second year players in the league. And four G League guys, which is a uh, unexpected inclusion, but pretty cool. Also, in terms of the accolades... That the Pistons are receiving. Cade Cunningham. Really rising. His stature in the league is growing. And he was named the January Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month. His first such distinction. And at the same time, he ascends to the top of the Kia Rookie Ladder on NBA.com. It's sort of the official power ranking of rookies in the NBA. Obviously... This is is all very good. (laughs) This is all sort of hinting at an ascending candidacy for the Rookie of the Year award that I wouldn't say Cade has locked up necessarily. If it were to end today, I still think Evan Mobley probably takes the award. You know, this is Cade's first time atop the ladder, but Evan has been atop the Kia Rookie ladder for several weeks at several different points in the season. Um, For those wondering why I'm saying Kia Rookie Ladder. It's an official sort of power ranking kept over on NBA.com. Kia is the sponsor. (laughs) But before we get into the show, I just wanted to get those things out of the way. Really cool to see a slew of accolades for our young guys coming in all at once, just making us feel good. Um, And so for the rest of the show, I want to talk about the two-game set that the Pistons are coming off Sunday's game against the Cavaliers, and last night's game against the New Orleans Pelicans. But first, listeners, please take a moment to follow at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. So the Pistons are now 12-38. and 38. Their young guys have a lot to do over the All-Star weekend. And we're 7-9 and nine in the month of January. And as we sort of previewed on last show, Sunday's game was big for a variety of reasons. But one, and really the headline for us, and for me still, was the matchup of Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, the aforementioned two frontrunners, for the Rookie of the Year award. Um, at this point, you know I'm not sure if anyone else is really that close to it, other than maybe Franz Wagner or Josh Giddy, who just continue to defy expectations and put up big stats on bad teams. And the Cavaliers being a good team is actually something that I think people are sort of saying is, is, is a point in Mobley's favor in the Rookie of the Year award. Um, I think they're sort of confusing it for the MVP award in that way, but it is helpful that he is playing on a team that's headed to the playoffs playing with a an ascendant point guard, Darius Garland, and an equally ascendant dominant center in Jared Allen. And, you know, this is an intimidating matchup for the Pistons. When when they played us in early November, fresh off of the Kelly Olynyk injury, it wasn't particularly close. It was a blowout, and I still have those visions of Jared Allen um, just eliminating Luca Garza um, like right away in the first quarter, back to back posters, uh, Garza just on the ground. And, you know, on last show with Corey, we talked about what we were looking for from this game, what sort of optimism we might have coming into this game. And it was not that we were going to win, we both straight away dismissed the idea that the Pistons might win this game. But rather, you know, fell back on our laurels of, well, if a young player has a good game, then, you know, there's something to take away. And that's a positive. Well, several young players had big games. And so this is a really fun one to break down. You know, ultimately one that I've named four stars. Right. I, I le- when, when we have a good game, we have a good victory. I like to name some stars of the game. They were tr- It was truly hard to pick three. So we have four on today's show. Let's talk about the the Cavaliers game a little bit in detail. It started fifteen to nothing in favor of the Cavs. That's really bad. The Cavs had the Pistons completely discombobulated on both ends. They were dunking all over us, getting easy looks, and the Pistons could get nothing going. Driving to the hoop straight into the hands of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, who form you know the most intimidating shot blocking wall in the league. Really. But to stem the bleeding and to keep the Pistons in it in the first half took a really big performance from Frank Jackson, of all people. Frank had 17 points in the first half. Six of seven shooting, three of four from three. And sort of opened up the floor for the Pistons. If we were having trouble getting to the hoop before, we needed someone to hit some threes and to shoot over the defense. Keep them honest. And it was Frank, you know, and... This was maybe the most energetic, impactful performance we've seen from Frank this year. A really positive sign in his development. Really good to get, you know, a big a big performance out of a guy not named Sadiq, not named Cade, and a young guy who, you know, we we still want to see what he has. So going into the half, it actually wasn't so bad. It started fifteen to nothing. Going into the half, it's fifty five forty nine Cavaliers. And it really changes. Everything really changes in the second half. One thing that I forgot to mention, Cade is 0 of 10 shooting in that first half. So if you want to know why we struggled, I mean, that's, that's number one thing to point to. But spoiler alert, in this game, Cade became the third NBA player in history to start a game 0 of 10 shooting and finish with a triple-double. And actually, before I move on to the second half, I do do think it's worth mentioning, Evan Mobley won the first half of this game in terms of the Rookie of the Year matchup. Nine points, six rebounds, two assists, and two blocks. Four of eight shooting. He just gets really easy looks at the rim. I like his mid-range game. He hit a nice jumper over Hami. He just looks really good. He's going to be a beast for years to come. Cade's first half line, zero points on o of 10 shooting, like I said. With five rebounds, five assists, a steal, and a block. So if you look at that, you think, okay, yeah, it is kind of setting up for that, uh, that triple-double. We know that the points come a lot easier than anything else. And they did. They came in bunches. For the whole Piston squad in that second half, and especially in that third quarter, Sadiq Bey. 19 points on seven of nine shooting, two of four from three, and three of three from the line. Cade would add nine points, two rebounds, and four assists. Of course, those assists are going to Sadiq. And suddenly, Cade is really close to a triple-double. And the Pistons are making it interesting. Fast forward to roughly nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. And the Pistons are down 98-89 when they proceed to go on a huge run to close it out. To easily, a 17-2 run over the final you know seven or so minutes to put it away. Cade... Scoring at will, scoring through contact. Isaiah Stewart, a big 10.5 rebound quarter. Some nice assists from everybody. From Killian, we had that nice baseline, sort of flick of the wrist to find beef under the rim. Easy two. We had the uh, Sadiq fake the three-pointer bullet pass inside to Isaiah to finish it off. And, of course, two huge three-pointers from Cade, including... To ice the game, really. A six step back over Rajon Rondo. Not even close. Cade is a closer. Cade is a big-time player. And, yeah, the Pistons close this one out. 115-105. Like I said, a really impressive victory. You know, obviously the Pistons don't do this all that often. Um, They're coming off a four-game losing streak. But to do it in a game that no one expects them to win, really, really inspiring stuff. Good to see. And I saw a lot of people calling this the best performance from the Pistons this year. I think you have to owe it to all of the young guys playing well. All of them. Um, If we're going to name some stars of the game, and I'm going to name some stars. I'm going to go number one, Sadiq Bey. He puts up a final line of 31 points, one rebound, three assists, one steal, one block, three threes, 11 of 20 shooting, and six of six from the line. Just... Huge efficiency. We love the assists, timely assists. Of course, timely—you know, 19 points in the third quarter. Getting downhill, scoring at the rim a little bit. He is—he's going to be a problem. Sadiq's going to be a problem for years to come. I—I I just, you know, he—he's still a little inefficient. We'll talk about his performance in the Pelicans game in a minute. But a huge game from Sadiq, second star. I'm going to give Frank Jackson. Like I said, a huge. First half explosion. Without that, the Pistons probably don't get back in this game at all. It's a blowout. It's a wash. Right? We were down 15-0 to start. So to get this impact from Frank, huge. Love it. My third star, I have to give it to Cade. Um, As much as I love what Isaiah did, Cade did end up with a triple-double, the second of his career, He finishes with a line of 19, 10, 10, 3, and 1 on a putrid 29% shooting, but two threes, 5 of 5 from the line. Still a really big game. And then my fourth star, my my honorable mention, goes to Isaiah Stewart. 14 points, 12 rebounds, and assist on 59% shooting. Just a really effective fourth quarter, like I said. 10 points and five boards in the quarter to help the Pistons close it out. And, you know, I think overall, we were scared coming into this game about the length that the Cavaliers bring, right? That front court of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley is scary. And they're a shot-blocking menace, right? Mobley, three blocks in this game. He finished with 18 points, nine rebounds, two assists, and three blocks, but four of nine from the free throw line. And Jared Allen, 15 points, nine rebounds, three assists, and two blocks. Notably, Jared Allen shot thirty-seven percent in this game. He is one of the most efficient players in the NBA. So, for a team without a big man to keep Jared Allen from shooting over, you know, forty percent, is pretty impressive stuff. And I really think it just came down to how the Pistons ran their defense in this one. Um, I'm not, a, I'm not an analyst. <laughs> I don't have a, an incredibly nuanced take on this, but you know, the Pistons ran a zone in this game, and. As a viewer, I love seeing Cade Cunningham sit in the middle of that zone. Killian will do it too when when they run a zone with the second unit, and everybody's switching everything. Right, Cade is switching on to Evan Mobley, on to Jared Allen, when it's appropriate. Right, when they're in the vicinity, Cade is running around. He's he's offering help on like every possession. You know, it's it's a high energy style. It's probably not very sustainable, but they were able to take Darius Garland's like connections away from him a little bit. He does end with 24 points and seven assists. Very typical Darius Garland game. But it just felt like, you know, towards towards the end of the game in that second half, the Pistons created momentum, creating turnovers, and ultimately keeping the ball out of the hands of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. These guys, they thrive when they can catch it around the rim and just go straight up with it. So if they're catching it farther out, right? If you're forcing these entry passes earlier in possessions, playing a pressure style of defense, just felt like you're not letting them get comfortable around the rim where we know they're really good. And if it weren't for the three point shooting of, of Garland and Dean Wade, who was four or five shooting, this might've been a blowout, uh, the other way in favor of the Pistons. So really impressive stuff. Um, that's my not nuanced take because, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm seeing when I watch defense, but um, I try. Okay, an ad read. So, hey, we have a brand-new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, Plus, either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when you're... Pro- when. Ugh score points when your props hit. And the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is Ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. All right, we're at 15 minutes. We're going to we're going to really quickly try and recap last night's game against the Pelicans. So, if the first game, if that Cleveland game had you feeling good, and it did. We were rocking. That was really Super exciting. We, we we turned the channel. We were watching, honestly, we were watching the football game, the Matt Stafford game. We turned to the Pistons game in time for that 17-2 to run that closed it out in, in favor of the Pistons. Really exciting stuff. The Pelicans game was quite the come down. The Pistons pick up a loss, 111-101, in a game that was close for most of it until the very end when... Cade goes down with an injury and the game slowly slips away from the Pistons. The headline from this game really was the return of Jeremy Grant and Kelly at the Same time. Jeremy's returning from that thumb injury. Olynyk is returning from health and safety protocols. And of course that just changes everything for the Pistons. Changes the lineup, changes the rotations. They started Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart, Corey Joseph, and Cade. Of course, That made sense. We expected all of that. Kelly slides into that second unit and Hamadou also. And if you were worried that the return of Jeremy would sort of jam up the offense, make things a little bit more stagnant as they had been in the early season, um, I think you were more or less correct to to feel that way. Uh, But it didn't bear out necessarily. It still felt like in the early going, Cade was the ball dominant player um, with decent hand of Corey Joseph as well. And, you know, the shots were, were going all around. In fact, when Hamadou Diallo scored early in the second quarter, 10 different Pistons had scored at that point. And that's the whole rotation. The Pistons run a 10-man rotation. And everybody had scored by, you know, the beginning of the second quarter. So, a good, nice, diversified offense. Uh, certainly something you don't see a ton of from the Pistons. But when they're full strength, you start to feel like, okay... Yeah, maybe they're just going to play a really balanced approach. Um, and in particular, I was I was really struck by the play of the second unit. Killian Hayes, Frank Jackson, Hamadou Diallo, Trey Lyles, and Kelly Olynyk. A really interesting unit, especially the pairing of Hamadou and Frank. Hamadou had a big second quarter. Frank was not quite able to follow up his huge performance in the Cavs game, but again, these guys are huge athletes. When I say huge, I mean big-time athletes, right? Hamadou is probably one of the top five athletes in the NBA in terms of leap, strength, everything, right? He's, he's the total package. Frank is diminutive, and I think he's underrated as an athlete. He had a really nice block in this second quarter, and Hamadou was 4 of 4 for 8 points, all of them rim attacks. You know, he's really dangerous that way and really explosive getting downhill. Um, so a good little diversified second unit as well. Um, what also struck me from this, the play of the second unit was just having Kelly and Ke- that, that's a mouthful. Having Kelly and Killian share the floor um, gives you multiple points of initiation, multiple facilitators. So Killian was playing a little bit more off ball and getting some shots, which was good to see. Uh, you know, we don't see Killian take a bunch of shots. Two of three in the first half for five points, an assist and a steal. Kelly had four assists in that first half. Um, like I said, it's good to have that secondary initiator, secondary playmaker. And really, to be honest, he was acting more like the primary initiator with the second unit. He also hit a three from the logo, um, which that'll help your floor spacing. But overall, it did feel like Kelly had a bit of a sloppy game to me. Um bunch of turnovers I think he had four turnovers to six assists by the end of the game six assists is great um, but you know he, he nailed a fan in the head <laughs> just a little bit out of control um, for Kelly in this one but the bigger return was really Jeremy Grant right that was the big one we were looking to see the impact on the first unit and how our most ball dominant player uh Cade would react to the return of our formerly most ball dominant player Jeremy Grant and I know that fans obviously feel a lot of ways about Jeremy the ball hogging the long possessions the isos the deep mid-range you know twos uh contested twos you know we've we've gone on and on about it um Jeremy was decent he was pretty decent in this game in the first half in the second quarter actually specifically uh three of three from three all good catch and shoot looks with quick triggers, you know. I, I feel like Jeremy is great in a catch and shoot situation and benefiting a little bit from the spacing that's provided by yeah, Cade playing off the ball a little bit more. Um, much to my chagrin, I should say. It it felt like Corey Joseph had way too much usage um in that first unit. He did score 18 points on fifty percent shooting, which is good, but again, it didn't feel like Cade was necessarily in the same role that he had been in without Jeremy Grant in the lineup. Uh, Jeremy finishes with 17 points, a rebound, and an assist. No defensive stats, but those three threes and 46% shooting is pretty good. But like I said, as soon as Cade left the game, um, as a fan, you kind of lost interest and and lost hope, really. Um, And it did slip away. it, It was a painful game to watch in that fourth quarter. The Pistons end up with half as many free throws as the Pelicans, 28 to 14 um i think that's a pretty obviously fluky thing but also a signal that the refs need to chill um the refs really really need to chill actually to be honest isaiah stewart in this game got a technical for like bouncing the ball too hard but he like barely bounced i i'm i'm really shocked he got a tech uh, well i'm not shocked. i'm not shocked he got a tech because the refs are um, out of control but it is shocking it is not right it is not just And then in the end of the game, again, I don't have a ton of uh, complaints about this. uh, Not Jeremy. Brandon Ingram of the Pelicans is ejected for blocking a Frank Jackson shot and then sort of taunting, doing like a flex and a scream um, over Frank as he lays on the floor. It was certainly a little bit demonstrative and it's certainly something that the refs are going to, you know, tee you up for. Uh, it was Ingram's second foul, second technical foul, so he gets thrown out of the game at that point. But lately, it just feels like the refs. You know, they've thrown Kate out of a game recently, uh, twice essentially with the foul out option as well. It just feels like the refs have too much power, man. They're they're just throwing guys out of games. You know, the stars of teams are getting thrown out um, for for celebrating for taunting. Um, There just needs to be another solution, right? I I understand you can't do that. We don't want guys doing that on every play. If it's legal, it could become, you know, rampant. But there's got to be another solution other than throwing guys out of the game. Um, So that's, that's my two cents on us losing this one. It's the ref's fault. Hey, quickly before we sign off. We want to also remind you all to use coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign-up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. All right, so the Pistons split that set of games, and they're going to play at home tomorrow, 7 p.m., against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Should be a good one. Of course, the Timberwolves are a good team. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, very dynamic center. And last year's number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards. Should be a fun matchup for Cade if he's able to play. Um, I'd imagine they would guard each other on most possessions when they're out there. So that that would be really interesting. Uh, We'll see if Cade is good to go. But I think that's it for me. Not a lot to add to this show. It's just like so much to catch up on. I probably missed some stuff, maybe not the most nuanced take on the internet, but we'll be back soon with another show. And I'm thinking we're going to have, first of all, we're going to have Corey on the show again. He was a great guest. And we're going to have a restoration ranker. Maybe, maybe we'll do that with Corey, sort of uh, talking about where these young players sit in the hierarchy of the restoration, especially as the trade deadline approaches. We're about a week away from the NBA trade deadline. Jeremy Grant, of course, heavily rumored in trades, heavily, uh, you know, desired by a lot, a lot of teams who are not willing to give up the right trade package for him. I'm still a fan of trading Jeremy. I'm still a fan of bringing back, you know, a young asset and a draft pick. But they have to be the right assets and the right draft pick, right? It can't just be anybody. Um, otherwise, I'd rather just keep him and, you know, see where he can go and see what happens in the offseason. season. Um, so we're, we're bracing ourselves for some big Jeremy news any day. Now I'm sure we'll pop up and do a show about that when it happens, but until then I'm Joey Guderis, find me on sports ethos, follow, subscribe. See you later.